Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The Centene Corporation holds a prominent place in the St. Louis community, and this week it found itself in a potentially troubling spotlight when one of its subsidiaries was identified as a supplier of jugs used in Missouri executions. Centene quickly responded by saying the subsidiary Foundation Care would no longer do so. It caused us to wonder what should corporations do about and how should they react to negative news And, of course, now there's a crisis in the governor's office, as we all know. Joining us in studio to talk about crisis communications is Linda Locke, senior vice president and partner with the Standing Partnership, a communications consulting firm. And we're happy to say that Linda is also a St. Louis Public Radio board member. Linda, thanks for coming in. Happy to be here. What do you think is going on in the governor's office right now? Well, I imagine there's a lot of people who feel like, um, you know, who feel outraged and they go automatically to sort of partisan positioning and sni- sniping. But what's going on with the governor's office from an external perspective is that uh, the governor ran on one platform and his private life appears to maybe mean that it was not authentic. And once you um, you display a lack of authenticity and honesty in who you really are, whether you're a corporation or an individual – you upset your stakeholders, and yep. that's when reputation damage is done. Is there a first rule of crisis response? Well, the first rule of crisis response is actually to be prepared, mm-hmm. to anticipate ahead of times if there's a difference between what you say and what you do, whether you're a company or an individual, whether you're an elected official, celebrity, or just really one of us in our own individual lives. It's to, say to, it's, it's to be authentic. Second rule is to understand that there's no secrets. In 2018, between um, empowered people with social media tools uh, and, and continual tracking of our behavior, whether we sort of check in on Facebook every time we go somewhere or we displayed ourselves. There's not secrets anymore, and you can't mm-hmm. assume that things can be buried. And I think that's one of the problems that we're seeing in this, um, this the execution drug story is that um, uh, officials from the state of Missouri tried to bury and hide something that they thought would be upsetting, and and they perhaps they should have looked at the reason why it was upsetting as opposed to trying to hide it. And Chris McDaniel tried to talk to one of the uh, the uh, officers of this subsidiary company, and they wouldn't even talk to him. Mm-hmm. That that's got to be about the worst thing you can do is just refuse to comment. Well, if when you refuse to comment, the assumption from the external parties is that you have something to hide, that you're defensive. Mm-hmm. Because if you had nothing to hide, you would talk about it. And if there is a, if the company has no, um, is, is, is philosophically aligned with the use of mm-hmm. the death penalty, then they should claim it and own it. That's authenticity. This is what we do, and this is something we, we believe in. If when you're evasive, it looks like you're doing something you don't believe in, and, and then we look at your motives. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's come out here, I think. How do you pre- plan when you don't know beforehand what the criticism or the story is going to be that you have to react to? You know, if you're an organization in 2018 and you're not prepared ahead of time for the likely crises that you should uh, that you should anticipate, then you're not doing a good job as a as a manager or leader of the organization. For example, every organization should be prepared today for the ultimate, like a data breach, right? That happens with regularity. It's not a surprise to us anymore, but we're, you're, you're judged as managers on how you respond in times of high stress. And if you seem unprepared and um, and unwilling to, 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 to fix the problem or you take a long time to respond, then you're sending a signal that we don't know what we're doing. Other things, uh, sexual harassment, right? That's very much in the news. 2017, 2018, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, we were all sort of shocked by what we've learned. 
So you should anticipate where your risks are and then build a plan to say, not only to manage through risk, but to address the root cause of the problem. Are there different strategies for the different forms of media, newspapers, television, radio, social media? Certainly there are different tactics in terms of using each of those channels. But at the core, though, is a set of, um, of, of, of ethical behaviors that are really um, not channel dependent. So it, so the idea of being transparent, there's expectations, understanding the expectations of your stakeholders. In 2018, our stakeholders expect us to be open and transparent and to share information. And when we're not, their hackles get, get raised and trust begins to be eroded. And that means you're going to have a hard time meeting your goals as any type of organization if you're not trusted by the stakeholders who you care about. How about the, uh, the the selection of a spokesperson, the contact with the media? So it depends on the nature of the crisis. The more – the greater impact or the more severe – the greater severity there is in a situation, the higher up the chain you should go. So if you – if there is something that's material to the company, then you should go to the highest ranking person in the company or the person who has the most credibility. It may be um, – Let's say you're a chemist who runs a company that makes uh, materials for microelectronics or something like that, and there is a problem. You should go to the person with the greatest amount of expertise and understanding, and they should become the spokesperson. The idea of using somebody who has plausible deniability is appealing to a lot of people who are in the hot seat, and that's fine, but but um, my experience with reporters is they ask the next question. So if you don't know the answer, who does? Let me go to them. And you want to demonstrate openness, transparency say authenticity and, uh, and, 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 and provide the rationale for why a situation happened. And, happened. and in my experience, there is appetite for forgiveness among the public if mm-hmm. you say we're on a journey and we're trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deny that there was a problem if everybody can see that there is one. You say go to the top, but uh, it, it's been my experience and perhaps yours that sometimes the person at the top may be great in the boardroom but lousy in front of a camera that they, they don't project that. well. Yes. Well, so, so, so mm-hmm. certainly – that's uh, that that there's that, but if there are ways for people at the top to convey what they think, and if they're not good on camera, if they have a face for the radio, uh, that they 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 can write a statement. There's there's all sorts of things they can do. The question is, are they taking accountability? And you know, when 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 it comes to something that may impact a CEO, you know, they have four choices really: you can apologize, you can deny, you can justify, you can excuse. And uh, there's a lot of academic research that says. A sincere apology will tamp down a situation much faster than evasiveness. Mm. And if you say we have this problem and we're addressing it and here's what we're doing, then people respect you and you get to keep your job. Otherwise, you're at risk. And never lie. And never lie. Always yeah. tell the truth. So the nuns were right in grade school. Tell the truth. Yeah. That's, the, that's the secret to good crisis management is telling the truth. What should be going on when the crisis is happening? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll use the, the governor's office as mm-hmm. an example. Mm-hmm. They're right in the middle of it now. Mm-hmm. What should be going on? So there's two things that should be going on. Number one, if they, if they were, they should be prepared and they should be knowing who's going to get the facts, who's going to organize the response, who needs to be communicated to whom. And then the other side is they have to keep the business of the governor's office running. And if they're letting that side go, then I would think that um, the situation will, will accelerate. So, but they should be looking for the facts. Now, now when you have a legal situation, obviously you're innocent until proven guilty and you have to let the legal process play out. But in the meantime, um, if you're denying the, if you're denying what is obvious to everybody else that there's a problem, then you don't look like you're um, 
really fit to govern. The speed with which you react? It's very important. It's particularly in 2018 where we're on a 24-hour news Mm. cycle. And the longer it takes you to respond, the less likely it looks that you know what you're doing. It looks like you're afraid. And the days when you had uh, three or four days for the legal department to weigh in and to to vet your response, those days are gone. The public expects to know quickly. And it's the public is fine if you say, we're looking into the facts, we're actively on it, and we'll get back to you in two hours with an update. Then the public says, okay, people are on this. If there's nothing to be said for a couple days, then the suspicions are that you are not paying attention to it. How about recovery? Recovering, yeah. How does that work? How is it most effective? So I think it depends on the impact of the situation. If you're Volkswagen and you want to grow in the diesel car market, the diesel gate probably prevents you from building a lot of relationships mm-hmm. or building a market soon. So recovery may take longer. Um, if, it's a, if it's an instance and in situ- um, an issue and a, you know event or something that went badly, usually you can recover quickly if you acknowledge that it was mm-hmm. a problem. So, so will BP ever recover its market value before? for Deepwater Horizon? Maybe not. Maybe. But it's a long-term. Reputational risk is is the way you undermine the value of an organization. You can undermine it very quickly and can take a long time to rebuild because it's based on trust, um, uh, esteem, you know, respect for an organization. And once you lose that, even if we're talking about an individual relationship, it takes a long time to rebuild. Do you have any examples of, of uh, corporations, companies that have handled a bad situation particularly well? Oh. Tylenol comes to my mind. Tylenol, yeah, and do you know Tylenol happened maybe 35, 40 yeah, years ago, right. and we're still talking about exactly. it. Exactly. You know, I remember reading some research in um, some business um, scholarly publications probably a decade or two ago about Tylenol, in which it said that Tylenol, J&J, uh, the, the owner, Johnson & Johnson, still continues to get credit in the minds of, um, of a- stock analysts for the way the management handled that crisis. So handling it well and saying in that case that the, the, the stakeholders we're putting first are our consumers, the people who take our, use our products. We're going to put their interests above those of the stockholders. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that consciously because lives are, are being impacted. And that, um, that the respect for that has endured as management has changed. And so going back to your core ethical values about what's right, what's the right mm-hmm. thing to do uh, can sustain you for a long time. J&J is actually probably the best example. It's one that we always, we always use. But the fact that it goes back 35 years, there are probably some people listening who don't remember the Tylenol. It was a t- tampering case. It was a tampering case. And so, so one of the situations in a crisis is you look as the source of it, is it internal or external? Um, and is it um, intentional or unintentional? In the case of the Tylenol case, it was, uh, it was external sources and it was an intentional. The company was being attacked. That means you manage differently. If it's an internal problem that you caused because of lack of oversight or really simply human error, um, that, that should be handled a little differently. And that's when, when you have control of it, the public, your stakeholders, your regulators expect you to take ownership of it and resolve it very quickly. How about the other side of the coin? Can you think of anything that was handled particularly badly? 
Well, I think we could probably wonder if um, who, who's buying tickets on United Airlines these days, mm-hmm. right? That's one. What about Uber? Uh, all the situations with sexual harassment and poor behavior by executives. So, so what we're noticing in 2018 and to a certain extent in 2017 is companies are charged with things like sexual harassment at the top. Mm-hmm. The leaders are leaving very quickly. That's that's a change from what we saw with charges five, ten, twenty, thirty years ago, and so so there's a different expectation today than there was not a few years ago on that particular issue. The other thing you look at something like cybersecurity, and um, we're we have a little bit of fatigue in terms of data breach fatigue because we see it all the time, but also then we are able to look at it and say. I expect to be told about it as soon as possible. I expect to be given credit monitoring or some some sort of compensation to help with my inconvenience. And companies are learning how to do that. They're not so afraid. They're not um, so shell-shocked. They have processes in place. The good ones do. I'm I'm sorry? The good ones do. The the well-managed ones do. Yeah, the good ones do. Um, Your specialty is healthcare, correct? Personally, yes. are there any particular issues that come up that are that are peculiar to that particular field? Certainly, there are, and uh, in in my experience with healthcare firms, people join that field because so many of them are mission driven. At the core of their being is they 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 want people to be in better health and they save lives. So, some of the complications you have in a healthcare organization that you might not have in others, particularly if it's for profit, is the the difference between mission and margin. They buy into the mission and then they don't like the hard business decisions that you have to make in order to have margin to be able to meet your mission. So that is one of the complicating factors mm-hmm. of healthcare. But the notion that at the end of the day, everything in the supply chain, everything in the value chain for a healthcare organization ultimately ends up about saving lives or letting people live mm-hmm. longer, healthier lives. And so in my experience, um, they don't have a hard time articulating the value they have to society. Some other companies do. They haven't thought all the way that if, 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 their, if their mission ends with making money and they don't have a clear vision of the benefit they bring to people's lives, whether it's their customers' lives or communities, then they have a harder time in a difficult situation recovering and articulating why people should give them the benefit of the doubt. And there are certain privacy issues in the healthcare field, too, that are... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You can't under, underestimate the impact of HIPAA in terms of data privacy. It's a big issue. Before we wrap this up, you Mm -hmm. you mentioned uh, how quickly some of the executives involved in scandal recently have left. Is this a good thing? Should the the uh, a person who is a problem be just cut right out of the operation right away as a as a signal to whatever audience cares that uh, the matter is being attended to? You know, one thing we know when companies announce that somebody's leaving and they they don't give you all the details, my gut says that the fact that people are being forced to leave early is that they have um, irrefutable evidence and they're just not revealing it uh, Mm -hmm. out of respect for the privacy of people. So in that case, then it does make sense. It doesn't look – I mean, we do see a few examples of where some of the people who are charged with sexual harassment are fighting back. I expect that um, we will see in um, in the governor's situation some fighting back, but but my my experience after thirty five years in this business tells me that if uh, if somebody's let go right away, there is um, almost irrefutable evidence, and mm-hmm. that's 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 the reason why this separation happened so quickly. Is there something we've forgotten? I've forgotten to talk about that you want to leave us with. I think that the end of the day. Um, Companies need to focus on the expectations of their stakeholders for transparency. 
we that, that wasn't the case 25 years ago, but today consumers, regulators, um, litigators, um, the, the general public expects that people, that organizations will share, will be open. And the expectations for transparency are even greater among younger generations. And that's hard for older generations to sometimes reconcile because they were, the notion of command and control was how they built their careers. But knowing that transparency is the is the basic, is, is, is the table stakes for most organizations today, you need to embrace that and use that as a filter in decision-making about how a business is managed. And if we're not comfortable being transparent, maybe there's a reason why. And particularly uh, important today with the, the speed with which information can be passed around the world in milliseconds. It's exactly right, and there, there's, no, there's no stopping it, right? And where every, everything we do, things get revealed erroneously or not, all the time, and people come to the wrong conclusions. So if you're not paying attention to what's being said about your organization all the time, then you may be responding too late. So that's that's another that's another lesson in a world of, of lightning speed information is to constantly be watching and be monitoring. Lots of valuable information there from Linda Locke of the Standing Partnership. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having you, me. You come to us at a very interesting time <laughs> <laughs> when a lot is going on. May we live in interesting times is a curse and uh, also a blessing. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Linda, thank you so much for thank being you. with us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.